thinking single package including flip phone game and thinking okay i've seen the samsung flip phones but like what year are we in that final fantasy ever crisis is coming out on a flip phone but i I, misread it i mean flip phones survived in japan for a long time they only like really started getting into smartphones like a good five years i'm not gonna lie i saw the samsung flip phone in the drama that i watched and i was like that's pretty cool and makes me want to have it was it a new flip phone oh yeah no, it's, it a, new, it's a smartphone like, that has like the foldable screen. Oh, and yeah. it like you know, and then that they have seems... they have two different versions. They have the one that folds in half, which I like because it's like a razor or whatever, and then the other one that opens up to be a tablet. That seems like a nightmare. It does. I it feel does. like that screen is just gonna break. <laughs> I I agree with that. I and I know that I know they've been working on like the foldable screen phones for a while, and they've just been like, well, you know, there's. There, even regular flip phones had issues with like wires disconnecting. Oh and my! Stuff. My razor started to have screen issues in the in the center mm-hmm. area, like right at the base, because of the the whatever the threaded cable that goes yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. It would just like fray or yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So like, imagine having to deal with that, but it's a screen. <laughs> I still think it's cool. It's, it kind of feels it's like very space cool. age. It's very cool because when you were when you were a kid, most people probably not this this. They're much younger, but like when I was a kid and I had a flip phone, I was like, I am seriously the coolest person ever. Yeah. My razor, man. Because I, my first cell phone was high school and I was a senior in high school and I got one of those big old Nokia block phones yep. and I could only use it in emergencies and I had to keep yes. it in the glove compartment of my car. Yeah. Cause you pay, you pay by the minute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it's it was like, like, don't ever make a call. Like call home. It will cost you $5. Probably. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah. I, I had one around the same time. Like, I didn't get mine until I was probably like 18, 19. Yeah, that's when I got mine. Um, but it was, like, it was like a track phone, and we had like 10 minutes of emergency time. And that was literally it. Don't text message. Tech, like, text messages cost you like what? <laughs> like per character? And it had the retractable antenna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, man, because my dad had a car phone when I was like early in high mm-hmm. school. And I was like, oh, if we got stranded, we could call someone. That's amazing. <laughs> Imagine. It's the future. Hey, it's also the future now. I mean, yeah, sort of. 2022 is the future. Oh, I thought you were talking about how we're recording this before it actually, like... Oh, yeah, that's Like, you, everyone is listening to this in the future <laughs> compared to where... But not as much the future as, like, where we recorded the last couple. Because, like, Tom and I haven't recorded a podcast in, like, a month. But we recorded <laughs> all you, of them out. Uh, by the way, for those of you who noticed, this isn't Tom. Hi, uh, I'm not Tom. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Retro Breakdown 2022 edition. Mm. Um, I'm, uh, I mentioned in the last episode that Tom is going to be taking some intermittent time off. It, like, he'll still be on, I think, most of the episodes, but uh, we're going to have some a, a spattering of guest hosts, starting with um, this lady. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Jesse. You might know me because anytime he talks about Jesse, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's actually a lot. Yeah. I figure. I mean, I listen to the podcast, so. Yeah. I'm thanks. also a fan. Thanks for your support. Yeah. <laughs> you so, can uh, you can find me um, doing work for the International Clarinet Association, also on stream. My handle is Jesse with an eye on Twitch, and on Twitter I and Instagram, I am La V Clarinet, uh, C-L-A-R-I-N-E-T-T-E. Uh, I think I spelled it right. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm going back over it in my head. <laughs> the I'm like, French spelling of the word clarinet. That's me. Although I think V being V-I-E, V-I-E is yeah. probably what's going to trip more people L-A-V-I-E up. clarinet with the French spelling. That's me. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. I'm I, happy uh, to have you here. I like a video game occasionally. I like to watch video games a lot more than I like to play them lately. But um, It's really a time thing. I'm so busy. You know? Yeah. But... Uh, you know, I like to get into some things. My favorite series is uh, the Atelier series. And I was curious if you were going to say that, because, like, <laughs> there's a couple that... I mean, it is. I played the most of them, mm. you know. and uh, I think that's probably the series that you have played the most individual mm-hmm. entries in. I mean, aside from, like, VR, which I have sunk a bajillion hours into Beat Saber yeah, and, that's and, and your other big thing lately. various um, rhythm games, because I just really like them. I've liked rhythm games since I was in... Uh, I guess since Guitar Hero came out and I was like, what is this new world? Is it's a it's a music music video game? That's amazing. I can be cool and it's relevant to my interest. Let's <laughs> let's back it off on saying that playing Guitar Hero made you cool. Uh, that's how we met. It's one of the things that we it was, brought us listen, together. How could you say that? Listen. <laughs> I liked Guitar Hero, you liked Guitar Hero, we got pretty good at it. It brought us together. It was a big thing for a while, but I think there was a, a bit of an overinflation in how people perceived how cool they were while playing Guitar Hero. I'll never forget, I was talking to my high school band director about Guitar Hero, and he he was like, just learn a real instrument. Yep, that's <laughs> I can the- imagine that most music teachers feel that way about it. It's like... You're putting all of this effort into practicing and perfecting these basic patterns, and you on could plastic just put, buttons. You could just put that effort into actually learning an instrument. And as and, a musician, I don't disagree with that. And then Rocksmith came out, and nobody played it. Uh, well, you know, they remastered it, so. And they, I mean, some people played it, but like, it is a very different. It ask. really, it really is very. And different. I, I like, I will admit that like Guitar Hero was really fun for me. And I played that for a long time and eventually was like, maybe I should learn guitar because I feel like, you know, obviously it's not going to be the same, but like the fundamentals of it, the feel of it, the feel of like holding something guitar like and making guitar like movements got me interested in like, you know, how different is the real thing? And then I pressed down a string on a fret and was like, ow, yeah, I hate this. And and there was a big rage about it, too, and it was super popular. And in order to, like, get in with the kids, I was getting my master's degree at the time, and I would go out and do, like, little clinics. And I remember having a handout that was just clarinet hero. And it was, Mm. like, the secrets to practicing your music. Mm -hmm. And it was just written from the perspective of a person who plays guitar hero and practices in-game. Yeah. Those passages that you fail all the time in uh, Through the Fire and Flames, you can... It's the same as Jingle Bells in your workbook. It's not, but, you know. It's not. (laughs) And also, Guitar Hero never gave you the opportunity... Well, I think later games did, but, like, the early games, there was never an option to practice slow. Yeah, no. But you know what? (laughs) Guess what? If you play the clarinet and you push the button correctly, doesn't mean it's gonna be right. (laughs) That's true. It's uh, probably not gonna be right. And it will sound like crap anyway, because you're a young player and you have to work on the muscles and all that. 
Yeah. Um, whereas Guitar Hero is like, oh, you press the button in the correct time and strummed properly. And you click the thing. You click the thing, so it's good now. Oh my god, you remember how loud those clicks were? Like... I could go get the... The guitar is literally in the closet over here. I could go Yeah, but that's the new one. That's the Guitar Hero Live one. It still has the click. I feel like it's not the same. Like... I feel like they, they like, quieted... No, I need to know for science. Okay. Hold on. I feel like they quieted the sound of the of the switch in it. Because those old ones were, like... It was, like, turning a light switch on and off. Oh, no, that's the same. <laughs> okay, brief edit as uh, the... Guitar, the Guitar Hero controller clicking caused a massive bark storm, which peaked all of the mic. And normally we would just leave the, normally I just leave the barks in because they're kind of in the background. But the dogs are all in the room with us and I have the microphone set to pick up a, a wider sound range. So it was, I pretty much just edited that out live. So, hey, we're back. Um, so that's the sound of the guitar clicking. It is the same. Yeah, it's the same. It's pretty much the same. I think he was more afraid of the guitar. Yeah. It's like yesterday, uh, I tried to feed him a spaghetti noodle and it was cooked and he was afraid of it. So he yep. barked at it. But And then you gave it to Kit and he was like, wait, it's you can eat it? <laughs> I want that. Damn Aww. it. Yeah. So anyway, Guitar Hero was fun. Guitar Hero it's was fun. A weird relic of the past now. Well, I mean, so were you ever into... Because I would say that like Guitar Hero really brought... Um, Guitar Hero really brought rhythm games into, like, mainstream. But did you ever play DDR before that? I have, at, a, at an arcade or two. Because you know? it did predate it, and it was, like, I would say the first really big, big and we rhythm had, game. We had mats, but I don't know if I had Guitar Hero mats before I met you. Or Guitar Hero... I got Guitar Hero while I met you, like, yeah. right before. And right. then I think after meeting you, I had DDR mats. Mm. I don't think I had them before, but I had okay. played them in arcades because I used to be that person at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> and go hang out at the arcade. Not all the time, but I mean, I I, I did, you know, go to a movie with a friend and then hang out yeah, at the sure. arcade yeah. before. You, like, you would go, like, not necessarily to the arcade because, quite frankly, when we were growing up, arcades were becoming less and less of a thing. My ex's friend's parents used to own an arcade. And but I'd, it... I'd go there, but... Oh, that counts. I for me, it was more like, what is a place that does something else that has a couple of arcade games? Hmm. It was never like an arcade, like the the Big Lots. The entry to the Big Lots used to have MK3, mm. and um, that's kind of surprising, actually. I know. I think it was two, and then they got rid of the cabinet, and then they got three, and then of course there was like, I don't even know, what's something else that happened? What's the, the dirt dirt racing that had like the four? Maybe they had the oh, Simpsons. Uh, off-road? Off-road, but I think they also maybe had Simpsons. The bowling alley I had I feel off-road. like they had, I feel like there was an off-road cabinet that had four wheels. Mm-hmm. They had that one at the bowling alley and we used to play, Josh okay, and I, my yeah. little brother and I used to play that all the time. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, there was a, so the one time we went to Traverse City together, um, I took you to the Grand Traverse Mall, mm-hmm. which is a mall. It's, it's a an mall. indoor mall. It's fine. But I went there a lot, and over, you remember where there was a huge carousel in there? Mm-hmm. Around where the food court was? There used to be an arcade over in the corner of where the carousel was. And it was an actual, like, for real arcade with some actual space, and you'd walk through there, and I would go in there and play some stuff once in a while. But a lot of times it was like, I would, I'd never play fighting games in the arcade, which is funny because in the 90s, that's kind of what 
arcades were for is, is fighting games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always like I would do the beat 'em ups and some of the like sort of sit in racing games, but I would always play them like once and get to like one checkpoint and then stop. <laughs> uh, like your cruise in USA and stuff. Um, a couple of light gun shooters, maybe a pinball machine, but I was never good at pinball, so I just, you know. Yeah, I'm terrible at pinball. You just put one quarter in, lose your, lose all three of your balls in like 45 seconds and be like, okay, that was fun. Like the only pinball game that I ever liked <laughs> was actually Rollerball on the NES and it was because we got it for like, I don't know, like $5 when they had a sale on they started getting rid of yeah. games at the movie store. That's about as good a pinball game as you can expect to be on it's the NES. Really fun. I don't know. It was it's just really fine. fun. And the music is very nostalgic for me. But other than like real cabinets, I could never really understand what was happening. <laughs> I mean, like too much going on most of the time. Real talk, like Tom and I have spent a good portion of this podcast talking about games from our childhood that are probably not objectively good, <laughs> but that we have like positive nostalgic memories of. Mm-hmm. And also talking about people, uh, games that other people have nostalgic memories of that we don't have those nostalgic memories of and kind of dunking on them. Mm-hmm. Because Nights into Dreams comes up all the time. And I think that is maybe still the game that Tom likes the least that we played. <laughs> I remember listening, when I was listening to the the uh, ranking podcast for this year and he, <laughs> he was pretty... Pretty evident just how much he hates that game. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a meme at this point. Like, I think, I don't think he dislikes it as much as he, as much as we talk about, but it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like the meme of how, um, of how much he dislikes it. And I think it's not so much that it's the worst game that we played. It's just that he, it's a game that he'd heard a lot about and had high expectations of and then played it and was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> So, like, it, I think it's the biggest gap between expectations and his actual experience with it. Hmm. Where, like, he just didn't get it. Yeah. Makes sense. So, I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of games that are like, hey, I played this when I was younger, so I think it's good, even though it's not. The, one of the last, the last actual game before the tier list was Home Alone. Alone. Yeah. And that was, you know, I know that's not a good game. But I will still defend it because it's somewhat functional. Which, for a Home Alone game, is... <laughs> functional is good. <laughs> and that's That puts it around the top tier. <laughs> it's just that his Home Alone game that he grew up with was a PC game. And it's very different. And I thought it was bad. But he's like, no, it's great. I love it. And it's like, but we beat it by just setting a bunch of traps and then standing in the attic. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what Macaulay Culkin's character... It was like Kevin was trying to set all these traps so that he wouldn't have to directly interact with them, and then they it caught is, him. Yeah, it is actually kind of... <laughs> like, you actually do beat that game by just acting the way that he does sort of in the movie, which is just kind of setting... Like, laying all the groundwork and then letting them just wreck themselves. <laughs> but so the the weird thing is... Home Alone really... is a tower defense. It is. It totally is. <laughs> yeah. And you like the problem is you don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see like what's happening. So like you just kind of stand up there until they get close. They're not going to animate that. I mean, you <laughs> do get to kind of see them walking. So once in a while, you can see you can like see the uh, you can see the sprite of the of Harry and Marv just kind of like doing the whoa 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 whoa. 
when you're they're like slipping or falling down so or whatever. You know, nice. I get that that <laughs> a successful Yeah, and trap. then the, and then there's a literal tally of how many times you've hit them with something and you have to get them both to 10. But anyway, the the uh Every Home Alone game is bad, and we will continue to play one every December until there are none left. Which I'm not even... Home Alone is this podcast's um, Robocop. Yeah, there's always more Home Alone. (laughs) So, it's 2022. Mm -hmm. I have low expectations for the year in general. (laughs) But, um... But there's games coming out this year, supposedly. Um... I have several that I'm excited to I have a, play and to watch. I have a bunch that I'm excited about. Uh, this is a weird list because it has them in alphabetical order. But, um, hey, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to just scroll through and we're just going to just talk about games as we see them. I, so Advance Wars is a grid-based tactics game that was for, well, the Game Boy Advance, hence Advance Wars, originally. And I have it, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, it's it's down there. Yeah, so I have the actual cartridge of it, but that was something that was like, that was like a garage sale pickup a few years ago. Yeah, that was such a crazy one. Mom, my mom went to a garage sale and found all of the, like, the original. She had like a stack, like a bunch of Pokemon games. Pokemon games for Game Boy and and Game Boy Advance, and they were all in the original packaging. Mm -hmm. With the manuals, and she got them for like a dollar each. It yeah, was yeah, crazy. Yeah. And then she's like, do you want these? I was like, yes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So they're on the shelf behind me, but I don't think it's ever come out of the box. So I still have not actually but played you... Advance Wars, but I've always been interested because I hear they're amazing. Mm. So the Advance Wars reboot was supposed to come out last year. Um, It got delayed until I want to say like spring, April. I think it's spring. I think yeah. it's April. Um, so I'm excited to play those when they come out. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. I'm just gonna, there's gonna be a bunch of stuff here that we don't know actually what it is, and I'm just gonna They're skip They're making it. an Avatar game. Not the good Avatar, but the other Avatar that some people think is good, but I really could care less about the blue people. The, the, ja- <laughs> the James Cameron, look, it's really not Pocahontas okay game. I never saw the movie, and I just, I'm not interested in it, I guess. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. It's a big, it's a big special effects spectacle with a, you know, this screenshot that we're a, looking at right now just looks like Ark. <laughs> it does look like Ark, actually. Um, also, uh, image Ubisoft. So, mm. yep. I'm going to be staying away from that. Thanks. Don't know what that is. Cool. They got the division devs on it. That'll be good. Hey, ba- look. Hey. Hey. Bayo 3 is coming out this year. I will play that the day it comes out. Mm-hmm. That's easy. Um, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. I almost want to do a podcast of this game. I feel like you should. I feel like because it's, it's like it's it's not. Have you you guys haven't done JS JSR or JSRF? Nope. It'd be nice to to revisit them before this comes out and talk about the the two games and what they do well and what mm-hmm. they don't do well because there's a lot of things that are problematic in them. And then see how Bomb Rush Cyberpunk improves upon that. Because yeah. it's been really highly anticipated for a lot of people because there's such a, a cult following for the game. We have several people even in the community that really, really love um, JSRF specifically. So We sure do. <laughs> um, I'm really like... Bomb Rush Cyberpunk is... 
I have like Sonic Mania hopes for it. Mm, yeah. That's what I that's what I want from it. I want it to be like I want it to be a game where it's like it takes obvious inspirations from a classic game that everyone wanted a true sequel to and never got one Mm -hmm. and basically makes it exactly like what you remember, but better. Yeah, more polish irons out some issues that the old game has. Um, issues, incidentally, that we will talk about later in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's like Sonic Mania. You, th- you think about Sonic 4. No. Not many people do. <laughs> I think about it because I think we played the first episode and then it came out episodically, which is just a bizarre sales it, format. There was like episode one, develop- episode two. And yeah. I, and when you say we played episode one, I think we played two stages. Yeah. So it just didn't. It worked fine, I guess, but I don't remember it at all. It wasn't, it wasn't the same feeling of of thinking back on Sonic Two and Sonic Three and even Sonic One for some reason. So, <laughs> Sonic Four is pretty much universally trashed, and honestly, I don't think either of us played it long enough to really know why. But like, apparently, it doesn't do anything right. Like, well, it but- doesn't play well. The levels are bad. It looks bad. Like. The Sonic Mania did so many things exactly the way that it should yes. to both capture nostalgia feel and also in, encourage you in feeling like the game has progress. It can go further. It can yeah. do new you things. You can do more with it. And you can take this formula and it doesn't have to be a 3D game right. to right, be right. new and exciting. It can be a 2D platformer in this style and you can still capture the feeling that you had yeah. in playing 2 or 3 for the first time. Yeah, I think that. Um, so yeah, that would be really nice if if Bomb Rush Cyberpunk did that for the people who like JSR. Yeah, because ultimately it is people who like Jetset Radio, um, and want more Jetset Radio and aren't getting it from Sega, so they're they just you know they went full Thanos and it's like fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I mean, Hideki so, music like, also always yeah, a good thing. That's true. So, much like with Sonic Mania, they're like, they were fan game makers. And then Sega was like, oh, hey, yeah, you, no, yeah, you will make this official. That's mm. really good, actually. So, I don't think Sega's going to make this official because they clearly don't care about JSR, but... Um, they're going to see... It'll be interesting. If it goes out and it's very successful... You're mm-hmm. going to see JSRF pop back up. They might, but I, Sega sits on so many. They have such a massive back catalog of stuff that they're doing nothing with. True. Nothing. But you can't, I mean, if it... If I mean, there's, it's starting to trickle out. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll subcontract you to make Streets of Rage 4. That's fine. They might, you know, maybe they'll do something with Golden Axe at some point. Maybe they'll do something, but like... I don't know. They've got Sonic and Yakuza, and it feels like they don't care about any of their other IPs, but they have so much. They have so much that they just that they just sit on. Honestly, just, like one of the one of the craziest things about doing this podcast is just seeing how many Sega properties there are that were really big in the 90s that they could just do a reboot or a new game of right now and make money, and they're just like, no. Nah. Nah, I just don't need to do that. It's I mean, fine. there are literally two Yakuza games that they could 
just true. Just put an English patch in there. Yep. And we will play them and stream them and buy them in every format and probably buy them for people. Yep. I will play them for way too long until everyone stops watching and Sp and I don't care because they're great and I, love I them. want to see Kiryu in a period setting. I just think it's really cool. So we're specifically saw... talking about Kenzan and Ishin. Ishin, yeah. The the Yakuza games that are set um in ancient Japan. I saw a uh, I saw the cover on uh, Reddit earlier and someone was like Daigo's on this cover, can you see him? And everyone else looks exactly like they do in the modern games. And then there's Daigo who has like the shave down the middle and then the knot like mm -hmm. Nobunaga where he's like it's like shaved down the middle and then the, and then like <laughs> the sides. Just, can we just though he's the least like Nobunaga. <laughs> He's I so, mean, like, like, hey, be the chairman. I'm real bad at it. I'm just not. I'm going to be honest. Kiryu has to come in and save his ass, and it's like he's not good at the conquest kind of thing. Apparently, <laughs> he is. So the thing is, like, Nobunaga. He's not actually Nobunaga, but like, he has that. You know, the look. He had. Yeah. He's. He is the last shogun. Okay. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> which works out actually. Because I guess he's the last chairman. He does end up being the last chairman. Spoilers. But also, but also, um, like, Nobunaga is the guy who brought the whole thing together and then was succeeded by people who just kept it running. And so, like, Daigo being the last one in line to succeed the, the shogunate, actually pretty appropriate for him. Considering that I assume his mismanagement probably brings about all of the problems that, you know... <laughs> ancient kiryu has to go fix so that's that's on brand i don't know what that is yeah we'll just we're just gonna we're just gonna skip over some stuff that i don't know what curse to golf is but okay it's a golf roguelike this the, hey let's go that the, sounds fun the dark souls of side-scrolling golf roguelike you know what sure i'll i'll have a look at that destiny still exists who cares dude no sure more dying light more more golf more golf Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Elden Ring is coming out, and that's all I have to say about it. Honestly. It's coming out in February. It's actually really soon. Honestly, I feel like you'll get to it eventually. I will absolutely get to it eventually. 100%. There's a lot, there's a lot totally that we got a backlog, and then I just bought you two games for Christmas and anniversary. And, and I have no idea when I'm going to play them. Right. But one of them is Ace Attorney Chronicles, which I do actually really want to put time into, but like, there's a lot of things I want to put time into right now. Yep. Got back. It's, it's been really nice to get back into Atelier Shally. Mm. It's I I was not sure about it at first, partially because I came into it from a really awkward angle. But now that I'm really like, it feels like I've kind of hit an equilibrium, and it feels good. I like it. I'm really excited to be done with it though, and and get to <laughs> Sophie because then we can actually kind of like re, play together, like yeah. go back into the series together. We started the podcast kind of talking about. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which appears to be a... Wait, Android and iOS, so it is a cell phone game. Oh, it is actually a cell phone game. Okay, who cares? That's fine. I don't know what that is. Oh. Forspoken, Ghostwire Tokyo is a game that no one cares about without Ikumi Nakamura. Uh... I want to call her... Naganuma, but that's Hideki Naganuma. <laughs> I don't... It's I, something like that. The, literally the most interesting Nakamura. thing... Nakamura. Nakamura, thank you. 
Literally the most exciting and interesting thing about Ghostwire Tokyo was and continues to be Ikumi Nakamura just getting on stage and just kind of hopping around like a like a bubbly little weirdo. Mm. Well, I mean, I kind of it's it's good to know that the developers with that did Evil Within are if you're if that's your kind of game. I feel like it has potential to be really good. Yeah, I feel like people did sort of like Evil Within, but they also, also like didn't really. And it's also a big get really. for PS5 because it's PS5 exclusive on console. It does come to PC, but... I sort of feel like almost everything that comes out next year is going to be PS5. Interestingly enough, God of War Ragnarok is actually coming to PS4 yeah. because they know that they can't feel the demand for PS5. The really, really big games will be cross-platform, yeah. but at this point... We've, it's it's been a year. We've passed the threshold where like... They have to. PS5 and Series X development is like now the primary thing. It's crazy because I feel like Xbox One had a similar... But it was not nearly this long. And I think it's just simply supply and demand has really put a strain on whether or not people can get their hands on the the modern consoles. So, you know, they have to basically downgrade some of these games to get them into the hands of more people because... Well, you know. and I mean, that's that's a thing. That's always a thing. Like, the, depending on how broad the game's reach has, like, you'd be you'd be shocked to hear how long they made Madden for PS2 because oh. it was like into the PS4 era. I mean, if they did the same thing with Just Dance games for the Wii. Yep. Well, that's for a very specific purpose, though, because <laughs> they're sending like they're basically sending those out to nursing homes. Where they still use the Wii to get people moving around because it's easy to do. Which, you know, good on the Wii for putting <laughs> something out that was like, that has that long of a tail. Anyway, there's a, oh, hey, goodness. there's a doggo out there. It's okay. Chill. Gotham. Grand Tr- yeah. Yeah. Gotham, Gotham Knights, Knights, sure. Who's making that, actually? I assume it's a uh, Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they do all the Arkham games. So that'll be interesting because, I mean, you didn't play Arkham Knight. I didn't play any Arkham games after City. And there's been like six of them or something Seriously? like that. Yeah. I didn't know that there's either. a ton. Um, Origins. I think Origins was the bad one. And then Knight was good. And then there's like one or no, two others. I thought others. Knight was the one that was busted. I don't remember. I think they. Because th- it was Asylum. Then Origins, then Night. Asylum, then City. City. Then Origins, then Night. Okay, maybe Origins was broken. One of them was really busted. I think Origins was bad, and Night was good, but had a busted PC port. Mm, that, that might be right. But I don't think either of them were regarded as well as uh, as Asylum or, or City. I mean, I enjoyed watching you. I didn't play them myself, but I enjoyed watching you play them. They were decent games, but just like... <laughs> QTE City. Forgettable. Asylum was more memorable. I think the vo- voice acting City. performances were pretty, pretty they're, amazing. They're acted really well, and especially considering how old Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum is. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 2009 or something yeah. like that. Like, that was one of the first really, really well acted performances of that era. Uh, I think. It's just like the aesthetic in those games was really amazing. Mm-hmm. And the game feel. I played a little bit of it, just, you know, you were like, hey, try this, try this scene or something. And I just feel, I felt like they did a great job of capturing the aesthetic yeah. in Arkham, Arkham Asylum specifically. And 
Even they though did, it wasn't what they did a, What they did a really good job of is capturing the aesthetic of the Batman of that era. Mm-hmm. The really, like, dark, gritty feel. Mm-hmm. The, the Christian Bale feel. Mm-hmm. Even though it was... I think they got the, uh, I think they got the dude, I can't, I always forget his name, but the, the guy from the animated series. Probably. That has like the really Mark good Hamill, Batman voice. Right? Still was Mark, well, that was his last Yeah, one. but Mark Hamill played the Joker in like everything. Well, he's not anymore. True. But. Gran Turismo <sighs> comes out the day after my birthday. People will look at pretty cars and that'll be that. Hogwarts Legacy. Boy, legacy is an interesting term. That's an interesting word to use for anything related to Harry Potter right what now. What in the world is Avalanche Software? And why does it make me not have confidence that this game is going to be worth a damn? <sighs> Avalanche Software. I will look that up because they have probably done something that you've heard of, but I can't think of it right now. Oh, that's that's good. They're based in they're based in Utah. Oh boy, they've just done Disney ports. They sure have. But also Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Mm-hmm. Which if I'm not mistaken is the bad one. I mean, maybe. I don't know that. I know that I played it. So, oh, they did mythologies. <laughs> yep. Yep, couple okay. of couple okay. of bad Mortal Kombat games. A Prince of Persia. The uh, Rugrats. The Tack games. Oh boy. And Chicken Little, Twenty Five to Life. What a weird! It's like a, a whole bunch of Disney games. Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, Toy Story Three, all that Disney Infinity. Which... Oh, that's what it is. That's <sighs> what. That's what I know their name from. They did Disney Infinity. And then they stopped doing Disney Infinity very abruptly. And then they did a Cars 3 game in 2017. And that's the last thing they did before starting work on Hogwarts Legacy. So let me guess, they were bought out by... I mean... Studio was acquired by the games arm of the Walt Disney Company in May 2005. Okay. And then, and and then, then bought Disney, by Warner Brothers. And okay. then, yes. And then they made Disney Infinity, and Disney Infinity made all of the money and then no money. And then Disney shut them down and Warner Brothers bought them. Yeah. So they haven't made a game since 97 because now they are purchased by Warner Brothers and have probably been working on this so, Hogwarts game this whole time. Probably. So this is actually kind of interesting. Um, that That's actually an interesting prospect because, like, they were basically just a licensed game churn factory for Disney for 10 years. And then they made Disney Infinity. And then Disney ran that into the ground and shut them down. And now they're with Warner Brothers. And they've been given five years to make a... Or something like that. To make a uh, to make a Harry Potter game. So you never know how a, how a game company is going to work out under new management. That's always an interesting thing to me. It's kind of the thing that I'm looking at with Bethesda right now is like, are they going to continue being the Bethesda of the last five years? Or now that they're away from ZeniMax, can they actually make games the way they want to, which is to say actually kind of good again? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'll say I will wait to see reviews on this and I'll probably watch a couple people play it. But the one good thing that this Harry Potter game has going for it is that it's not based... It's not based on 
the the stories of Harry Potter. They have it's essentially like, cut J.K. Rowling out of the picture entirely. They it's took like, the we're universe. using your IP, but you don't get to tell us to do anything. But they're telling a story through you as a player character, which is a very different game than if you're playing as Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Right. So it gives you just the feeling of being a student at Hogwarts, which many people who come to Harry Potter as a fan... They love the universe. Of course they love the characters, but they want to be in the universe. That's yeah. why there is a theme park. That's why there is like, you know, so many self-insertion properties for you as a, yeah. as a fan in the, in the franchise. So I feel like it has the potential to be really good. It just depends on the execution. Yeah. And I would argue that like, you know, it the Harry Potter thing is really complex right now. <laughs> yeah. It's L- literally the Polygon article that we're looking at right now simply just absolutely references... J.K. Rowling's problematic views on transgender equality and rights. Yeah. And I would argue that, like, it's really difficult for people who, like, aren't here for that, but still enjoy the world that she created. Yeah, because she created that before... Her views on that came to light. Now, if you dig deep into the books, if you they're read problematic through it, it's views, like, but most people that love it read that when they were younger and they right. weren't looking for those kinds of things. Right. Or it didn't hit them on it's the head. Very, you know? It's very easy to find, to go through and be like, oh, oh, there's casual racism all over the place. Yeah. Like, she's always been this person. She just only started getting loud about it in the last few years. Well, social media has sort of made it. Much yeah. easier to do that, but we don't have to go on and on about it, but I am interested. But I would argue that the world does not really belong to her <laughs> no, if not you anymore. don't if you don't let it. Mm-hmm. So realistically, like if you're excited for this game, be excited for the game. It is going to make her money, and that feels bad. But you know, if you go through your life just not enjoying things just because there's some, you know, there's some questionable people and practices behind the development of it. Boy, it's going to be really hard to enjoy anything. I mean, literally. it goes back to the whole like there's no ethical consumption. Sure. You know, we're literally over here discussing internet providers and like should we switch to X internet provider because of the the other internet providers um problematic views on this or mm-hmm. support of certain candidates of politics or whatever and then it's like oh wait the other company gave, formation, gave the same amount or more money yeah formation and funding of particular uh propaganda organizations anyway horizon forbidden <laughs> west coming out um man i really wanted to like horizon zero dawn more than i did I liked it. I need to go back and play it. And honestly, I got pretty far. I feel like I did I did the hunt. You got farther I, than I did. I did the hunt and I fell into one of those underground caverns that is like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I was there literally hours and I just couldn't figure out how to get out of there. And I was so frustrated and I just gave up. And then I didn't go back to it. But I did enjoy the world. I did enjoy the mechanics. I mm-hmm. really liked the, you know... I, I like her character, Aloy. I, Supposedly the story's really good. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the story that I interacted with. So I just need to get back and... <laughs> at this point, it might be better for me to just start over because I don't Absolutely. remember anything. It's been years since um, either of us touched and it. And what is the release date on that, actually? It says 2022. 2022. So I imagine it's coming... A lot of this is going to be... A lot of this is going to be 2022. Now, that, unfortunately, is not going to be on PC at first, so... PS4 would have to be. It is coming to PS4 and PS5. We but. might end up with a PS5 by the time it comes out. I think like, so. If we end up over on the other side of the world like we want to be, I figure we just go... This to, year? We had talked about it this year, but I mean, 
Depends on how. Oh, fast. you mean you mean to visit? Yeah. I thought you meant like to move there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was like, eh. spoilers. We're looking to move there, but like, <laughs> when are we not? I mean, always. So I, I'm, I'd be cool to pick one up, but I, I kind of like that we have a Japanese PS4, and I would like to get a Japanese PS5 for yeah. some weird reason. No, that's cool. I have, Pick up that Japanese Xbox I, Series X. I bet they're probably easier to find there. Probably. Especially the Xbox. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. Plus, you know, get them duty free. It's true. Remember, when we lived in Korea, it was impossible. Like, so they did not bring the Wii U no, the Wii U did, the Wii U didn't sell well enough to to so even Korea bother with the Korean launch. It. They didn't have it there, yeah. and it was strange because we could pick up some PS4 games mm-hmm. at the Korean stores that we were shopping, yep. but there was no Wii U stuff, yeah. and it was weird. And now the Switch is very popular there, so I'm not. I mean, I think it's still region locked. The it? the market in uh, the market in in Korea is so heavily PC and and smartphone oriented. What are you what are you looking at? I'm reading what the are you first, squinting at? The first line of this article about Kirby in the Forgotten Land is the closest the closest a Kirby game will ever get to The Last of Us. I mean, you saw the trailer. It's just like it's a 3D Kirby game where you go around a a like an abandoned, like empty, derelict world. So I mean, yeah. You will probably it's, play that. Yeah, I mean I'll like I love Kirby. Kirby's great. We what was the last one we played? All um, Star Allies. Star Allies. We played with Tom and his wife, and it was really fun. Um, multiplayer. I enjoyed yeah. it immensely. Yeah, that's a that's a fun little short, you know, four or five hour experience. We had a good time with that. Uh, Breath of the Wild two. Someday I'll play one. I, I, last year I told myself like, you know, I'm gonna go back and play Breath of the Wild this year, and I totally didn't. And I probably won't again this year. Unless we see something really exciting in the trailer for two. And then we're like, oh, all right. You know? Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I don't have the same hangups as you do about open world games. I actually enjoy, you know, Minecraft and things like that. Um, sure. But I, I, look, I, I look at other Zelda games and I'm like, okay... I could do Breath of the Wild. I could play it, but I haven't played all the other stuff. I've literally only played Link to the Past and like maybe four hours of Twilight Princess. Yeah, that's true. You and just to get bit. to the fishing, <laughs> <laughs> because I love I mean, fishing. To be fair, you don't have to play all of the other Zelda games. In fact, I think it's maybe better if you don't, because Breath of the Wild is intended to be a reset. I feel like I should play Ocarina of Time. You probably should experience Ocarina of Time yeah. just to say that you did it because mm-hmm. it is a formative experience for a lot of for a lot of people. Um, I don't think it holds up well, but it's still it, I mean, it's definitely still playable. Hmm. Like it's not bad. It's just not the greatest game ever now. But it's, you know, if you if you look at like the best game based on its uh, or the best game based on its. Uh, the, the time that it came out and the impact that it had, it definitely has an argument. So, like, it's it's definitely worth seeing. You know, I that that is also... a game that set the bar for a lot of what 3D games were expected to be. I think I would also like Wind Waker. Yeah. Wind Waker is very cute, very cozy. Mm. Um, They're all, like, every Zelda game has, like, difficulty spikes and bits in it that are like, oh my god, this is so hard and frustrating. But, like, they all have that, so you're not going to get more or less of one of those. 
We can just skip past. There's a new Marvel game. It's a tactic. I'm just looking at. Um, it's a tactical RPG set in the darker side of the Marvel universe. Midnight Suns. Uh, I don't know. It looks like the. It looks like XCOM. One of the biggest things about Honestly, the a Marvel game that is based like XCOM. Oh, developed by Firaxis. Okay, the so it game. is an XCOM game. It's that literally an XCOM might game. Be pretty sick. All right, that's kind of cool. Although, like, I gotta say, it's bizarre to me how big the MCU got in the last decade. Like, the, Marvel was, like, the biggest property in the world for a while, and they did almost nothing to capitalize on it in the video game space. They, like, a year after... Uh, like, a year after Infinity War... They finally were like, hey, we're making an Avengers game that doesn't tie in with the movies at all. And also it sucks. I think the Spider-Man games are just, you know, I know they're not. It's like the only property that's done well, I think. Yeah. Some people like the Avengers game. I don't know. Well, I mean, they handed it to uh, what Insomniac, I think. Which, yeah, you're going to get a good game with that. Wow. A new Metal Slug game. Metal Slug Tactics. Okay. Sure. Turn-based tactical gameplay. That sounds cool. Multiverses is a thing. This is WB Smash Brothers. That's the one with uh, Super Saiyan Shaggy. So, that's a thing. Oh, man. Just look at the cast of characters and you're like, no, I hate this. Yep. Batman, Superman, Bugs Bunny, Scooby-Doo, Shaggy. This Not is... Scooby-Doo, just Shaggy. Th- I mean, I'm sure you'll <laughs> because get... Because the memes. I'm sure you'll get Scooby, too. But also but like... Game of Thrones. <laughs> But here's the thing, right? Like, this is literally like, hey, did you like seeing all the cameos in the new Space Jam movie? Did you enjoy that? Well, here, here, Smash Brothers, whatever. Apparently that Nintendo, the the Nickelodeon Smash Brothers clone is, uh... The Nickelodeon Smash Brothers game is, like, completely dead now. That sounds like a cool concept that you would hate. Nightingale. Shared world surviving crafting system. Ne- next. <laughs> Ali Ali world. Sure. I hear Ali Ali's real good. Um, This appears to be, you know, a more open, like non-stage based version of that. Cool. That might be cool. Outlast is survival horror. But Outlast Trials is a new thing. That's fine. I hear good things about Oxenfree. There's a new oxen free game so that's cool or a sequel nice school studio now owned by netflix exclamation point <laughs> that's interesting hmm. i am not gonna play pokemon legends i i'm just ca- i'm calling it now i might watch people play it i i will probably look at it just to see what it's like but i i don't care i just don't care i i, I just, don't i feel I, like it's it's interesting and Every time I try to get back into Pokemon and play an actual Pokemon game, Pokemon fans remind me that I don't like Pokemon. New forms for Growlithe, though. Cool. I'll look at them. We'll probably catch them in Pokemon Go, which is like now the only active Pokemon (laughs) game that I actually play. I'm just interested to see if the series really changes a lot in that game. Because it will be exciting for people. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) I know you know. Uh, it, but for people who actually love and, and just eat 
sleep breathe pokemon right to see the series finally change because so many of what like the the sections in sword and shield where everything was much more open Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like wandering around seeing the pokemon in the wild clearly you know seeing that that movie the pokemon movie yeah seeing that that was the best part of the movie looking around and being like oh my gosh this is so cool i want to be here and the game kind of achieves that a little bit and it's like oh cool is that a gyarados just hanging out over there i probably shouldn't go over there yeah that seems dangerous (laughs) i should he's level 700 or whatever From what i understand about uh about uh arceus um it seems like it's going to be the same thing where it's like linear levels with some open spots, just like Sword and Shield. And the open areas are cool, but I, it's just it like, it's weird. There's like a barrier to entry now in Pokemon that I didn't feel before. And I think it's because like I learned everything there was to know about Gen 1 and learned quite a bit about Gen 2, and then fell off, and now there's a bunch more stuff that people know how to micromanage that is Greek to me and that I don't care about. Mm. I don't care about tendencies and... And uh, what was the what was the word? The, uh, the temperament or whatever. I don't care about plus and minus stats. I don't care about IVs. I don't... And I think most Pokemon players don't, but I'm also at a point now where like I don't even really know what all of the type advantages are. Oh, there's a lot and I more don't, now. And yeah. I don't know what the moves do because there's so many more of them now. And I don't know the specifics of how all these things work together. And it's just like, it's a lot to learn. And my tiny Gen 1 brain isn't, isn't ready for it. Well, so. here's the thing. And this is this is sort of how, and honestly, Rune Factory Five is the next on the list, and I am so hype. And man, have we been waiting for this one for a long time? I played Rune Factory Four, and Dean tried to get me for the longest time to play like Harvest Moon because yeah. he knows that I would like a dating sim with like some mechanics of battle and and all that. So, right. and Rune Factory has more fantasy tilt to it um, mm-hmm. and just, combat. You can play that game. And not go super deep into the systems because there were things that I I couldn't figure out how to make certain levels of equipment. And I got to the end of the game. I never finished for because I got to the end of the game and I didn't have equipment. That's right. Yeah. I didn't have the equipment necessary. I needed stuff to protect me from fire. Mm. And I didn't have it, but I couldn't craft anything because I didn't put any effort into crafting. I just went out and gathered and I farmed and I met people and I was like, hey, buddy, I think you're cute. And, and of course, the, the the path that I took was Doug, who's like the whatever his he's like the, he a dwarf. He was a dwarf, but he was like the hardest path. He had like he was the one that you couldn't just hook up with. You had to do a bunch of special stuff for and so, like, super frustrated by that. And then the, the end, get to the end game. And, like, I, I think it was, like, the special part of the ending or whatever. And I couldn't beat it. And so mm-hmm. I got super mad. And I just quit. I didn't know and that. And it feels like, bad. It feels really bad because now I'm, like, going into 5. And we actually bought Rune Factory 4 Special. So maybe ahead of I played it for a little bit and had some fun with it. But it's, you know, it's it was really one a of many. Po- you know, it's a port. <laughs> it's not. Well, yeah. And the game, mm, the game... It's a 3DS game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Realistically. Um, oh, Slime, Slime Rancher 2. I'm just scrolling through to get to the end of this list. There's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Sonic Frontiers, the Kirby and the, the Kirby and the Forgotten Land of Sonic games. Oh. I, 
Sonic Frontier is described by Sega as an open zone inspired experience. That's a weird set of words. So Sonic 06 was intended to be an open exploration thing. And then that game got too big for them. And then they rushed it. Right. So it ends up big, open, linear stages, which is the worst possible thing you could have. This could be an attempt to, like, you know, revisit that and maybe do it right. But I don't trust Sonic Team to ever actually put the necessary amount of time into doing something right. So I assume this is just... Until I'm proven wrong, this, I'm going to assume, is going to be the next, you know, a future what happened. <laughs> Very possible. Uh, Splatoon 3 is a thing. Splatoon 3 is a thing. I really like Splatoon as much as I can without actually playing them. <laughs> I think the aesthetic is cool. I think the music is great. I think the idea of, like, having a shooter that's not specifically about, like, guns with bullets or lasers <laughs> right. is is fun and interesting and cool and but it's I, executed it's, most importantly executed incredibly well yeah and just feels very good to play yeah but you have to be in on that kind of gameplay in order to it, ultimately I mean, you can play the single player campaign and all that stuff is fun yeah ultimately what it comes down to is like the i think the gameplay is cool and interesting but it doesn't grab me it's not the thing that i want to mm. be doing so I'm really glad those games exist, and I'm glad there's another one coming. I'm not excited for it, but I am excited for people who are excited for it. Yeah. Uh, sure. Stalker 2, that's a... That that screenshot is a field and a gun. So, cool. That's a thing. Starfield will exist eventually. <sighs> Someday. Apparently November 11th, if you believe that. Oh, man, Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> oh, this is the meme game. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, man. That, I am weirdly looking forward to this game for all the wrong reasons, and so is everybody. I'm just looking forward to Wooly playing this. Oh, I mean, yeah, like somebody's going to play it, right? Probably. Like gonna play it. I mean, hell, I might. I might play it, but like, just because, just because of how stupid it is, if like, <laughs> I need them to lean into the stupid. I didn't Jack, know, I didn't Jack actually, Garland. I didn't actually realize this was uh, developed by Team Ninja. Fight. That's. Mm. His allies fight evil as warriors of light. That is just the lamest. Well, it is, but this is also 1986 language. Because this is a this is a recasting of So is this like Final Fantasy Far Cry Blood Dragon kind of No, no 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 no. It's this is Final Fantasy One. This is the story and the characters from Final Fantasy One. It but like, you know I don't know any of that. Re like re um, Oh I see. Prequel to the okay. Yeah. Okay. So Garland is like the big bad that you face in Final Fantasy One. Uh -huh. So this is like the villain origin story, but done in you know this big team team ninja like Ninja Gaiden style action game. I see. So 
<laughs> That's why him being a dumb edgelord is, like, <laughs> so canon. hilarious. It's canon. And also, like, Warriors of Light is... Boy, that sounds dumb, but at the at the same time, like a Final Fantasy one playing as the Warriors of Light, saving the world from the big evil was just that was the style of the time. I mean, yeah, yeah it was that was just the thing. So, but so having, yeah, having seen the trailer for it, also this this image I- image uh, caption here: Team Ninja slash Koei Tecmo slash Square Enix. Square Enix. Yep. Yeah, it's that's a lot. Yep. people involved on that. I mean, Team Ninja is under Tecmo, so... Mm. Or Tecmo Koei. So, you know, it, there are people at Koei Tecmo that can make good action games, and there are people at Koei Tecmo that make the other Dynasty Warriors games. And we'll... We'll see who's who's on who's it. Who's on it, yeah. I don't know what Stray is. Cyberpunk. Oh, it's about, uh, it's about being... You play as a stray cat. Okay. Suicide Squad. I am not going to even care about that. What a great title for their game, though. <laughs> Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. <laughs> sure. Got, like, you can imagine them workshopping that. Like, hey, you guys got any good ideas for the title? What's the plot of our game, anyway? You know, I don't... Uh, we'll just call it that. I don't have any particular expectations for that. But, you know, apparently the Guardians of the, Gal- of the Galaxy game was actually legitimately super good. Mm-hmm. So... It has a chance. It would have to be better than all of the movies. Um, Open world action yo, game. Yeah, yo, no, let's go. Is the uh, .mu's uh, new uh, uh, TMNT game basically just like updated Turtles in Time? You know I'll play the crap out of that. We both I love will. Me some Turtles games. It'll be good. Uh, I don't think this is technically announced for 2022, but I think it's just sort of assumed. I think it's because like. It's hard to imagine this. It's hard to imagine this taking more than another year to make. I mean, if they can, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably going to come out this year. Also, playable April. Let's go. That's fun. She just hits people with her purse, probably. The microphone. Oh, does she? Her her reporter microphone. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Oh, I think I did see that in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, she's got she's got stuff. Looks fun. Man, I. Tiny so, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. I will probably watch a let's play of that. Very I, will, I will I will tune into it. I thought that the uh the best part of Borderlands 2 was the like the the D&D thing. But boy, like that's a lot of tiny Tina to deal with. Honestly though, Borderlands She's fun, but she is grating after two, a certain amount of two time. Two is so good. Borderlands yeah. 2. There were so many good things about it. And, and the DLC, I feel like that's one of the only games that we bought the DLC and actually played them all. Didn't we? We played that. We played most of them. I don't know about all. We played a very large we, portion yeah. of them, yeah. But yeah, we played a good we played a good bit of it. Um Yeah, I'm not I didn't play three and I won't play this, but cool. Mm. I like it's if they were gonna do a spin-off thing, this is the right thing to choose. So that's a that's an interesting thing. Um, oh, new Total, Total War, War, Warhammer 3. I played Warhammer 2. I don't think I ever actually finished a game and never really got good at it. I'm terrible at the Total War games. But um, you liked it okay. Yeah. It's ah! Triangle Strategy. My birthday present. Man, it just looks so good. I will I will refrain from saying anything more about Triangle Strategy because I'm play a bunch of that game in a couple months. 
two, in fact. Mm. Um, that looks cute. Okay, this list is very faulty because it ends here you... with a game uh, named Tunic, which looks very cute. And yeah, looks like a um, Zelda clone. It's it's a fox in a it, he plays a fox in his in doing a Zelda. It's cute. Yeah, it looks cute. It's missing a very important game here. What River City Girls? That's true. Which is slated for the summer. That's true. There's in fact two River City Girls games coming out this year. One of them is the is the prequel, which is basically just a port of a of a Kunio Kun game that we didn't get. The one that actually introduces Misako and, and Kyoko. Mm. Um, so we're getting that at some point. Uh, that was supposed to be last year. Clearly, it wasn't. Right. Um, and then River City Girls Two comes out in the summer, and I am very big excited for both of those things. They just look great. Yeah. And there are probably other things that we're forgetting. And of course, Nintendo has. We'll probably have a direct in the next two months or three. Well, yeah, and this is this is all stuff that we already know about. There's always there is always room for the uh, hey, this thing's out now. Mm-hmm. You didn't know about it, but now you know about it, and it's out today. I love that. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ways to release a game. Is like <laughs> it's out now. Go 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 get it. Go get it. That's, that's good times. And I think there's some Kickstarter games that are supposedly coming down the pipe. Sea of Stars. I will be very excited for Sea of Stars when it comes out. And um, I have a couple more that I pre-ordered or backed on Kickstarter that I think are coming out either this year or early next year. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, one of them is a Chrono Trigger inspired game that I backed. That's in Sea like... of Stars. Well, that's not the one that I was referring to. Oh, there's an... Okay. It's a different one. Chrono Trigger did inspire a lot of things and rightfully so. I mean, so. sure. Sea of Stars and then what's the... Uh... <sighs> what is the other game that I backed? Uh, I don't I, know. You've backed <laughs> a lot of things. I back a lot of things on Kickstarter. But anyway, um, it'll come to me and while we're talking about something else. Probably Sonic 3. Yeah, right. Uh, As, uh, Astral Ascent. When is Astral Ascent coming out? I think it is out. Is it out? Like the full version? Oh yeah, maybe it's just the maybe it's just the demo. I've seen people playing it, but it's probably the incomplete. Oh, yeah, because Asian played it, I think. Yeah. So I backed that. I don't. They never emailed me a code, so maybe. It's probably not out full yet. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm. This could be a good good year. It's really hard <laughs> early this year to just think about anything. Um, you <laughs> can probably hear in that's... my voice. I have a, a slight cold. Not exactly sure what it is. Cause... We're not sure what kind of cold. It could be a cold something else. It could be. Um, if it is, it's very mild in Europe. Okay. And I feel great. I'm not super sick at all, so I'm not worried about it. We're obviously quarantining just in case we can't get tested because there are no tests available. So that's fun. Um, but, you know, looking ahead in the year, I feel pretty optimistic that things will get better. It's just going to be a bit maybe before that happens yeah we got a rough couple of months but i think we'll be all right so but i i, I think it's encouraging to see studios putting out great stuff for us especially, to... especially indie studios i am which they didn't cover every... as many indie studios in this it's true but like indie studios you know they just put games out when they when they're done with them mm. and i am the as bad as the video game industry at large has been the last few years and it seems to get worse every year 
Um, I, I continue to be encouraged with the really, really, really good output of, um, of indie studios. I just finished the outer wilds last week. That is an incredible experience that I recommend to everyone. Uh, don't look anything up about the game. It is about exploring space, and that's all I'm going to say. It's very, very good. You should play it. Definitely big recommend. I'm going to play the DLC of that at some point soon. Um, I, I bought it already, so it's going to be probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, like experiences like that just coming from indie studios that just start making the games that they want to see. You're getting more and more of those, and they're getting more and more polished and 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 well and well received. And I'm I'm about that, mm-hmm. so I'm very excited for that. Oh, yeah, Chained Echoes. Oh yeah, that's Chained right. Echoes, and and it's it's Max and Airship, the... so it's actually like FF6. Yeah. What is the name of the? Um, there's like a new Suikoden inspired. Aiden Chronicles. I also backed that. So. Yeah. We'll be getting that. So we got those at some point. Yeah. It's it's difficult with Kickstarter games because like, are they coming out this year or are they coming out in three? You don't know. It's done. It's done when it's ready. Those two, both both um, Sea of Stars, Aeod and Chronicles, they've all been very good about communicating where mm-hmm. they are in the development process, but also very honest about yeah that we're delayed. You know, just this is what you this is what you get. We're in a pandemic. Yep. So. V- Shoutouts also to um, Radical Fish mm. working on uh, Project Terra. They have some. Uh, they have some details about where they are with that. It's very, very far off, like years away. Also, Chucklefish but... is a new game. I don't know if it's coming out. Where you're oh like yeah, a... the Chocolatier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking forward to that because the writing in that game in in Stardew mm-hmm. is so good. And I just feel, I feel like the universe that they created it really touched so many different people. And I feel, I'm yeah. excited to have another. Oh, we were talking about, um, we were talking about Rune Factory earlier. Mm. And you were talking about how I wanted to get you to play Harvest Moon. But then like around the time yeah. that you were playing Rune Factory, <laughs> yeah, Stardew, Stardew came Valley out. came out. And I was like, oh, just play that. Oh, and I played a that's, lot of Yeah, it. just play Stardew Valley. I enjoyed that's, it. That's the game. And I, I really, I don't get as much into those types of games like even in minecraft i played a lot but i never played them in the same way that a lot of people do to excess where they play for hundreds of hours and build on the same universe i like right. to to play for a while and start a new one every once in a while yeah. to make it feel fresh and exciting mm-hmm. and you know with minecraft especially you never know what kind of seed you're gonna get and you get like all these interesting notably neither of us ever actually finished stardew valley that's true. Like, because I mean, the, there's an actual, like, three or four year cycle or whatever, and you're supposed to get to an actual ending to the game. I don't think either of us ever made it through year two. Yeah. So, there is that also. I mean, like, we haven't seen that. Well, but, we like, played quite still a enjoyed bit. the game. Yeah, we played quite a bit. And we actually even played for a, we had a little LAN party with Tom and, and Leticia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was really fun. They brought their laptops and we all just played in the same world. And that was really fun. Yeah. We, we separated tasks, and some people worked on the farm, and some people went to the dungeon. And I basically fished. You, you fished, but also spent a lot of time in the dungeon. That's true. I did both. Yeah. But there was, like, one entire day where I just fished the entire time. So, I get of... really I get really, like, tunnel-visioned on my tasks. <laughs> um, I, I think it And those... then wonder why open-world games don't work <laughs> for me, because I do one thing for ten hours, and I'm like, I'm bored of this. Yeah. I think that's easy to do. Like, I do strip mining in Minecraft. It's mm-hmm. like, I can do that for like three hours until I find like a stack of diamonds. And I'm like, okay, now what? 
Yeah. I guess I'll just check this other area. You look for I more mean, diamonds. More diamonds. I don't know. Like, do I have? I got enough diamonds to have armor to go to the Nether. Do I want to do that right now? No. I don't, I don't really want. No ever. one ever <laughs> wants to go to the Nether for anything. Especially with all the new mobs they've been adding. It's like, when is the last time I slept? Oh, it's been like six months. <laughs> since i slept they don't let you do that anymore because they have the the type enemy type that comes to get you in your in your non-sleep so anyway speaking of fishing fishing for sponsors oh that's okay yes i'm gonna yes and that but what are you doing (laughs) i'm just trying to help (laughs) all right so we played sonic 3 we did and I think I can honestly say, for the first time, I never played more than like a level or two. I mean, like like the whole thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, most of it. We didn't get all the Chaos Emeralds and get all the, the true ending stuff because I don't like the Blue Sphere stages. Um, and we, you know, just wanted to play the game sort of casually. And honestly, we looked at the, the final boss fight and is like, okay, don't really miss that. But, um, but yeah, we, so I think we can fairly say that that's the first time that we've seen more than like, at most the first half of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. I think so. I Um, feel like I played, I remember I never owned it. Right. Um, I never had a Genesis, so I definitely never owned it. I played the crap out of two and a little bit of one. We really, really played two a lot. And I I never owned three because we sort of moved on, obviously, to like N64. Sure. But going back, I ended up buying it on eBay because it was a hole in my collection. And I kind of was like, oh, I really want to play Sonic and Knuckles because I thought that was such a cool idea that you could just plug another cartridge in. Yeah. And play as a different character. And it's just kind of a novelty. So I had picked up the Knuckles cartridge at a garage sale. But I never owned three, so I, I couldn't play Sonic 3 with Knuckles. So right. I didn't think you could plug it into two or one, but apparently that's a thing that you can do. And we just learned that apparently you can just lock on and play as Knuckles in uh, in, in other two, Sonic games. But not in one. One makes you play the... I guess they had like an infinite version of the Blue Sphere game that just... You could load that. Sure. Seems to be. I guess we need to watch more videos on... On this whole thing, but they I was reading the box art for Sonic and Knuckles, and it's it's play Sonic and Knuckles TM by itself or lock on TM with other Sonic TM games. <laughs> this game's revolutionary lock-on technology adds all new features to your other Sonic games for ultimate replay. So like they they know but the weird thing is we looked it up and nothing else happened with that. Yeah. So it's you know. This is very emblematic of 1990 Sega, which is introduce a new technology, abandon it immediately. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Dreamcast with the internet and the little viewing windows on the controller and like... Everything about the Dreamcast. Well, yeah. But also the Sega CD, the 32X, the Saturn. Yeah. The There's at least one other thing in there that I'm missing. It's like they were... Sega was very, very reactionary. And lacked any sort of like consistent vision in the in the late nineties, and that's what started to ruin them. And speaking of consistent vision, uh, does Sonic Team have a consistent vision of what they would like the Sonic franchise to be? Um, 
I the thing is, I think they do. It's just bad. It, well, it's not what the people who really loved the original games yeah. want it to be. They have a they have a vision for the direction that they want Sonic to go, and it's just not what the classic fans want from the franchise. It must be really hard to make a game and have like a vision for that game and never be able to meet the I mean, except I, for Sonic part Mania. Of it, part of it, it well, I mean Sonic Team didn't make that game. I'm just saying. Any, anybody making a Sonic game at this point. But I mean, like, Sonic Mania proves that it can be done. And I think, you know, there are different generations of Sonic fans. We're older. We grew up with two, Mm -hmm. generally. And, you know, people in our generation also grew up with three, if they had it. So, like, those are the games that are Sonic to us. There are a significant number of people for whom, when when you say Sonic the Hedgehog, the image that pops up in their head is Sonic Adventure where a 3D Sonic is sitting in a, lim- in a limousine with the President of the United States. And that's what Sonic is to them. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, is, that is the truest essence of what Sonic is. And that that's, doesn't jive with what we think of when we think of Sonic. But, like, there's definitely different competing visions of what Sonic is and mm-hmm. should be. So, like... Uh, 3D Sonics, there have been some good ones, um, relatively good ones, but I think that, like, the issue that has always existed for Sonic in any circumstance is going fast is the whole point of the game, and it's impossible to control. I think, well, it's always impressive to me in Sonic 2 specifically playing Green Hill Zone, Mm -hmm. and just being able to launch yourself off of a spring or going out of one of the areas and just be soaring through the sky. Heck, watching, was it Mr. Fatbody's speedrun of Sonic at... Dr. Fatbody? Maybe. I know who you're talking about anyway. (laughs) Did he get a degree? (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) No, he probably had it. But his speedrun was incredible, because there's the precision jumps, but he was able to finish the stage. But even as a normal, casual Sonic player, you can capture that feeling yeah. in the early stages of Sonic 2. And that is the thing that I always carried with me when I think about it. Yeah. But as you get into the later levels, that, those, that's not possible. That and, first instance in Green Hill Zone, when you you start going down the you start going down the, the slope. And you do a loop the loop, and you do another loop the loop, and then you do the little the little twisty thing, you know, mm-hmm. little like oh yeah, go the twisty the twisty thing that you run across, and then you and you go like way up in the air, and you're going super super fast. That feels great. That initial feeling of being able to do that in a Sonic game is what sold millions of people on Sonic, and that is the memory that a lot of us have about what we like about Sonic is just just like that feels great. The problem is that they take that initial feeling of like going down the loop, the loops and the little, and the little twisty things. And then it's like, Hey, what if we put a wall of spikes at the end of that? It's or not a, that, or, or a the spring, spring that makes you go back the, the other way. The spring or the enemy that will absolutely hit you, make you lose 180 rings that you've collected over yeah. the course of 90% of the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, 
the spring is just the biggest momentum killer. And you know what? If you played the crap out of the game, you know the spring is there, you jump and you avoid it and you keep going fast. But in a first play, and this was no, not any more prevalent than in three, in my opinion. Yeah. There were so many moments where I was starting to build up momentum and capturing that feeling and then just bam, hit a wall and just, sorry for peeking the mic, it just really frustrates me. Just, you hit the spring or you hit the enemy. And that mm-hmm. happened, there were so many enemies in 3 that were just, yeah. absolutely, the, the developer placed them there on purpose yep. to slow you down. And it's like, that's not the it's point like of you're the having, game. You're having too much fun. You're going very fast and you're having too much fun and it's time for that to stop now. And I understand that in a replay situation where you've played the game a lot, and, and most people have played Sonic 3 a lot, so they know when those things happen, just like we know where the pits are in Mario 1. Sure, yeah, of course. Or in Mario 3, how long you hold the run button before you jump in the first level. And it is it is a very 90s style design to be like, okay, you need to play this a couple of times to know how it goes. There's going to be some trial and error. There's going to be some stages that you have to do over and over again. And Sonic 3 is kinder about that because it has a save function. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Yeah. Because Sonic 2 badly needs a save function. It does. There's 10 stages and they're long and they're hard. And starting over from the beginning is not fun. It's true. Um, so 3 having not only a save function but a level select... Yeah. is really pretty is really pretty amazing. It's pretty kind, pretty generous um, and I didn't know that. I well, you growing up you didn't have it. So. Yeah, so so even when I bought it and we plugged it in the first time just to play it, the first thing I did was play one level and then plug the knuckles cartridge onto it. Right. Because that was the thing that I was more enamored with and interested in because I was like, "Oh, I played Sonic before." Right, right, right. But like now being being more nostalgic to Sega because I grew up with a Sega Genesis and didn't have a Super Nintendo, I think about it and I'm like, "Boy, I <laughs> I played more of Sonic 2 in two player mode than I did in one player mode." Mm-hmm. Because I had a friend and we played all the time. And we just really like Mystic Cave though. Yeah, I mean, honestly. So it's a good zone. It is. We did not um too many crush deaths for my yeah, for my liking. Those but little like, plants. Yeah. The boxes. The boxes and the plants both killed me a lot. But so overall I enjoyed three, but there were some levels that were incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. in that they didn't really tell you what you needed to do. And this is also just just simply an old game thing. Yeah. Whereas Absolutely. you would have the manual or you'd have a Nintendo Power or, or the Sonic equivalent or Sega equivalent of that. Yeah. And you'd be able to trouble th- troubleshoot through those stages just by trial and error most of the time. But we spent, in a, in a period where we're sitting here trying to play the game very quickly to get a good grasp on it so we can talk about it. Right, right. We and we, s- we switched levels back and forth. You know, right. I, what was it? Sandopolis? Sandopolis, Sandopolis 2. Sandopolis 2, man. I, the one I had in two the, deaths in timeout because I couldn't figure out where I needed to go. Yeah. Which, in a game built around go fast, is a weird thing for you to spend 20 minutes lost. Yeah. So that was that was frustrating. There, I think there were several zones that had places that we spent. And 
in this game's defense, one of the things that people really like about it is that the stages are actually quite long. And so you do spend more than two minutes in a stage. It's a much, much bigger game. There's more stages and the stages are are bigger than in two. And one of the things we talked about that I really liked is... The fact that, you know, zone one goes into zone two and into zone three with mini bosses set up. In between, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you act one, act two, whatever. Yeah. I really like that because it makes the game feel bigger. Mm-hmm. It, it actually, it gives you, because, you know, there's less sense of like truncated sections and more like, oh, this game is just going. It's just, it just keeps going. Yeah. Sonic one or Sonic two, rather, you finish act one. The screen fades to black, then it fades back in, and it says Act 2, and you're at the left of another screen. Yeah. In Sonic 3, you finish Act 1, and then then you just keep keep running, and then the stage just sort of continues. It's the difference in a a modern game where you you have loading screens. Yeah, basically. It it just eliminates that, so it feels much more open and... uh, it really it feels like Act One, Act Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels like you reach the midpoint of that zone. Yeah, and then you're moving on to the rest of the zone. They do a better job, I think, of um, of introducing mid bosses mm-hmm. and having the mid bosses actually do something. Uh, they're they take less hits. They're not as interesting design wise as like the Robotnik bosses, but they're there to do something, and they break up the stage. You know, beyond just the, uh, it's, it's nice that like a lot of the mid bosses are actually at the end of act one. So most of the stages can actually give you a, a boss fight at the end of it, even if it's not a big grandiose boss fight. And some of them like the, like the, um, Angel Island one just changes the stage. Mm -hmm. Like, because <laughs> you get to Angel Island Act One, it's like, oh, the entire island is napalmed now. So it's it went from this lush, islandy, like almost kind of Emerald Hill zoney type of thing to like everything's on fire now. <laughs> Enjoy fire. Well, and then in uh, Sandopolis specifically, mm-hmm. where you go, you go into in the, the you go into the pyramid, that was cool to me, and it was expected until you played it. Well, no, I didn't like it inside there, but <laughs> it's mostly the ghosts that keep following you around. That's annoying. And just, like, the light going out and all of the switches are on timers, and that is so frustrating. Yeah. Because that also kills your momentum, and it gets you to a point where, like, if the switch just stayed after you pushed it, yeah, then the game would feel faster. Yeah. But it doesn't. You and miss so if the you door and you have two, to go back to it. you take two it. seconds to go back and pick up some rings or to turn the lights back on so the ghosts don't eat you... Um, then the switch is gone and you can't keep going. Right. So that, that was a, a bit frustrating. There's a lot to manage. And then you got stuck in one area where there's like <laughs> a clearly discolored wall. And we're like, how do you get through that? And then it turns out you don't, you just have to jump through a ceiling. That's not real. Mm-hmm. You on, can get through platforms. that wall, but guess we what? Learned, we learned afterwards that those are knuckles specific walls. Yeah. And we didn't play the Knuckles version up front. We just played three. We played. Right we just played Sonic. Yeah. yeah. So we weren't able to bust those walls, and that that is frustrating. But yeah. that's sort of a user error kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I can chalk that up to our fault. But also, it's like this is clearly an area that you can do something with. This wall looks different. It's in an it's it's in the shape and position of a doorway. Mm-hmm. So like it feels like you need to do something with it and you can just not with that character 
And I feel for the people who played the game without before Knuckles even came out, mm-hmm. where they designed Knuckles specific areas into a game and then released the Knuckles add-on thing like months later. Yeah. Like you you just like the thing you need to get through that literally won't be in that cartridge until until like it's until the add-on thing is released months later and you don't even know that exists you're just like what is that i can i can imagine the school bus theories of like you know kids making up all of the like messed up stuff that you have to do you know I don't know if you were ever in on the the culture of like kids. You gotta take the cartridge up. out. Yes. And then you gotta wait six seconds and you put it back in. Mm-hmm. Don't turn the console off, put it back in, and then wait, and then you should be able to break the wall. It's the yeah. This is the <laughs> uh this is the you have to push the truck outside the SS and to get Mew. Use strength on the truck. Like it's the the lies that kids just make up for like this is how you get through this. Because there's no answer in the game about how to get through that. And there's a there's a couple of areas like that where it's like, well, I don't know how to get through that, so I guess we'll just leave. Yeah. But that one was like, you were really stuck. Yeah. And, you know, I did the, idea, the idea of there being parts of the game in Sonic where there's like a foreground or a background element that you either can like go in front of or behind... But it just, it doesn't really look that much like a foreground or background element. That happens a lot, but usually you're going so fast that it's just kind of for visual effect. In this case, you were in like a slow precision precision platforming area, and it just looked like a ceiling that you would get crushed against. And I literally just, looked we at it and I was like, well, I can't a... fit through there. Yeah. But we literally the ceiling didn't exist, so that was a bit frustrating. Honestly, that... That level was more frustrating than the rest of them, even though some of yeah. the second level, we kept handing the controller back and forth, and every time he would give me one, it'd be like a maze. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, because what was we, this? We were swapping back and forth, and you kept getting all the Act 2s in the latter part of the game. Yeah. So, like, the Act 1s were, like, a lot more free, open, like, free running. And then the Act 2s were all, like, labyrinth, maze, puzzle sections. <laughs> all water. And then I was like, "Why don't you just do two in a row? Because then you can, you, then you can do like the, um, you can do like the act one of the next one." And then it turned out to just be a one act zone. It was the and it was the mini boss rush. I don't remember what the all the Sonic two bosses coming back. Yeah, that Metal Sonic's piloting. Yeah. So let's talk about the levels in in which ones we liked. Sky Sanctuary Zone is the or no Hidden Palace Zone. Hidden Palace, yeah. No, I was right. It's Sky Sanctuary. Is it? Hidden Palace is after. Anyway. So, which which level did you like the most? I felt In terms the- of actually playing it, mm. um, I thought that... I was really surprised at how much I liked Lava Reef Zone, actually. I expected that to be miserable. And partially because I maintained a fire shield through most of it, it turned out to be really not that bad at all. Um, I don't even remember Marble Garden Zone. Same. Um, okay. Um, I mean, obviously, like, I feel like with most Sonic games, you're kind of getting the goods in the first few stages. Well, the weird thing is, a lot of this... Dio. Dio, stop. 
a lot of the stages had had some just you know Mario Maker auto scrolling state section. You know, mm-hmm. like somebody, you know, the sand, you just yeah. falling in the sand or in ice cap zone, you're snowboarding, mm-hmm. and it's cool because you feel fast, but you're literally doing nothing. Yeah, you're not actually playing those sections, and that's one of the big issues with old Sonic is like when the game is going fast. You're really just on rails and watching it happen. That's not really, truly gameplay. You're essentially watching a cutscene. And there's a lot of that, unfortunately. I kind of But liked, it's still fun. I kind of liked um, Flying Battery Zone. Really? I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm just thinking of the music, but which one was the... Mm, Carnival Night is awesome. Obviously, it's awesome. Uh, Carnival Night is like, we can't do Casino Night, but Again. we can basically do Casino Night, though. Yeah. Maybe it's Launch Bay Zone. Which one's the, like, the facility? Like, the inlet? Some of them had great music. I mean, they kind of all do. I am... I am honestly struggling to remember the difference between Launch Base Zone and Flying Battery Zone. I think Launch Base is the one that I liked, and Flying Battery was the airship. Fl- yeah, Flying Battery's the airship. Yeah. Um, Launch Base, I think, was more, like... It was definitely on the ground, and I think there was still, like, some technology and stuff. I liked a lot stuff. of the mechanics in that one. Mm-hmm. I, so, the one thing that really stands out about this game is the power-ups having different, um, you know, like, fire... Different or, features, yeah. You know, I think that that's really a nice change, and it's a simple addition that makes the game more interesting and makes keeping those power-ups more right. valuable because they give you a speed, you know, an air dash. Compared to Sonic 2... Where your shield is basically like wall, mm-hmm. wall, and then all it really does is it's a free hit, so you don't lose your rings, which is great, but that's all it does. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It's, else. it's as soon it's, as you get hit, it's gone. It's a shield. It's just a free hit. Versus uh, Sonic Three gives you three different shields, all of which protect you from a particular type, particular types of damage, and give you additional. Benefits, yeah. Additional benefits. Like, they give you extra, like, jumps. So the, the the water shield makes you invulnerable to drowning, so you don't have to hear the anxiety music, which is great. Um, and then you have, like, this little ground bounce, so you have, like, a fast fall. Um, the fire shield protects you from fire damage, so you can just walk on lava with it, or if there's things shooting fire mm-hmm. at you, they just don't they just don't bother you. And you get a little air dash, which is really hard to control, but sometimes super useful. Yeah. Um, and then the lightning shield protects you from any electricity-based attacks and gives you a like a sort of little double jump. And they all protect you from projectiles. There's certain projectiles. Anything that's like... The types of projectiles that are like something pops out of the ground and shoots rocks at you. And it's like those things will just kind of pop off of you. And that, that, those are all really nice because that's just like, you're just avoiding damage because of those. And it still does the same thing as the shield in two, where like, if you do take a real hit, you lose it, but you, you don't. lose it, but you don't lose your rings, which is great. But like having those be actual for real power ups and not just like you have extra health makes a huge, huge difference. And I didn't realize how big that difference was, would be. Until I was in Lava Reef walking on the lava with the fire shield. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I think that might be why you like the lava. Maybe. I, I, like, I probably would not have enjoyed it as much without without that feeling of like, oh, this is super easy now. This is great. 
So I love this, it. the the zero gravity like flipping mechanic, not my favorite in any game mm. because it hurts my head. <laughs> it makes me think too hard, but. It was actually not that offensive, and I felt yeah. like they didn't put too much on you at, this, at once. When so I was able to get through it, and that was a big confidence booster for me, yeah. because I'm not a great platforming game player, so... When you were in... Uh, so that that was Death Egg Zone, and which was, for a final stage, way better than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, I was pretty hyped. That was actually pretty good. It had really good music. And we say final music. stage, was, that's not the true ending final well, stage, because there's one, the I Doomsday, think Doomsday Zone. Zone is just the boss fight. Okay, well, I mean, it's kind so of like I don't really call that a stage. Death Egg Zone and Sky, the, whatever's Sky Chase, I don't remember what it's called, where you're on the plane with oh, yeah. tails. Yeah. Going up, then you get into the Death, Death Egg Zone, and like, the, those are all kind of connected anyway. Yeah. So Doomsday is just like the final final. Right, right, right. Essentially. But yeah, like Death Egg Zone for a for for the last platforming stage, I'll say. Um, really good music, really cool mechanics. I actually I was expecting it to be kind of miserable, and it really wasn't. Yeah, I, I actually really good. liked that. Um, and yeah, I think that when they did the reverse gravity thing, that's a that's a cool trick to play, and not particularly common for that era. Honestly, that's fairly new. Um, I do feel like they lowered the intensity of the actual platforming you had to do. That and the enemies were less attack heavy. Like mm-hmm. some of the enemies in some of the earlier stages just like laser beam on you. And they're oh, gonna, yeah. They're going to get you no matter what you do. And they're placed, especially if you pick up that speed and go a little bit fast, they're going to get you and then yep. you lose all your rings and then you're like, damn it. Yeah. But in this case, I feel like they kind of like chilled off on that a little bit and made it. Made it so that you can actually think about what you needed to do. Right. Which helped me immensely. Yeah, I was expecting them to, uh, I was expecting them to reverse your gravity and then continue to just be punishingly difficult. And it it really wasn't. It was actually very fair. So that was, that was actually nice. Death Egg Zone was, was quite good. I did not like either act of Sandopolis Zone. I didn't, Uh, I mean. They were, uh, the Sandopolis Zone Act 2 had a lot, like, it introduced a lot of stuff, and there was a lot of things you had to do. So, like, I think points for creativity, but, like, none of it was fun. I think... And Sandopolis 1 had, like, nothing. It was just sand. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think... I hate sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> I know. I think that I I really appreciate what they tried to do with 2. It's just, like, the the level design was a bit confusing and in some places, specifically the one place I got hung up on. If I go back and play it now, knowing what I do now, like I think I would enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. I really like the light mechanic. I think that's very clever. And the timer on the switches, like I mentioned before, it was really frustrating, but is clever in some ways. But so, I just there were so many switches. Sandopolis two introduces the ghosts, mm-hmm. the light switches the push switches with the timers and the rising sand crush like platforming areas. Yep. Some of them all at the same time. Yep. That's too much for one stage. I think that's way too much for one stage. It's just like, that is, that's a lot. That's overly ambitious. Well, and I think knowing what we know about Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles being originally one game, and it just becoming too much for them to handle. Right. They probably wanted to flush that out and do more with it, but they crammed everything in because they had to split the game. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like, the knuckles, walls, and things like that you, you couldn't do anything with. Right, right. 
that would have made the game in specifically in Sandopolis zone much easier because there were sections where I just didn't know where to go when I see this wall and I'm like, the heck is that wall there? It looks like you can break it, but I did everything I possibly could and couldn't break it. So obviously I got to go somewhere else. So there was one in Mushroom Hill zone too, where you were using that little, uh, that little, uh, swingy rope thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you were trying to launch into the wall, but it was clearly a, we know now it was a knuckles punch through wall. Yeah. And what you actually had to do was fling yourself up into the air. Oh, it is very precise. It's very difficult to do. I and maybe you like can't a... actually see a platform up there. So you really just have to and launch up into the air and just and just hope there's something there to hit. There were several mechanics like that. And, and honestly, I think you probably can toggle him off. But sometimes Tails... Sometimes Tails ruins things. <laughs> sometimes Tails would jump in the opposite or push... Like if you're pushing a wall... Or a block or something. He's pushing the opposite direction as you. And it's like, dude, I'm trying to do work here. What are you doing? Get out of the way. I'm helping. <laughs> so that is always fun. I don't think he's actually working against you. But sometimes you're like trying to hit platforms. The oh, yeah. platforms or he'll break be- when you land on them. And he'll land on them first. So it breaks before you I mean, get there. There was one boss that we were fighting. The Eggman boss at the end. Yeah. He was like going and hitting him before you were and you were in mid jump and then he would close up his head or whatever and then you would take damage. That was the golem boss. Oh yeah. At the end of Sandopolis one. <sighs> that one okay. That boss was fine. Now that we know they had to push him into the lava, but it was they could have done more with it. I feel like it's just you once you figure out the pattern, you just have to move him over to the edge yeah. and send him down into the sand pit or whatever. It's basically Crocomire. Yeah. I, I feel like they could have done more with him. You know, more more varied uh, cycles for him would have been much more interesting. Yeah. Maybe he gets more varied if you give him the time, but we didn't figure We this... gave him lots of time. We did, because we All didn't... he does is walk and jump. Yeah. So, I feel like, and I honestly, I was a little disappointed in the different enemies. The boss, the bosses specifically. The bosses, yeah. Overall, because you got the mini bosses, which, you know, those are throwaway enemy enemies anyway, but even... Even the design of the Robotnik fights in several of the levels were kind of just, like, lackluster yeah. compared to Sonic 2, which I thought some of them were really clever. Like, I liked the pinball in Casino Night. Yeah. The, that was such a cool fight to me. That is a that is a standout for sure. And even even um, Chemical Plant with him pulling the stuff out of the water and the... the it's not super creative, but it uses the environment well. Some I of these hate bosses... Chemical Plant because you have to jump over the, the platforms that, like, flip up yeah, and down yeah. and, like, you just fall through them and then you just die. I mean, yeah. But, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Regardless. It uses the environment. Yes. That's what I want. But I didn't feel like they used the environment as much in the end of these stages. It was just, like, here's stereotypical. There's the one in, Mar- in uh, Marble Hill where... Um, Robotic, like he's got like a little lava submarine. Oh yeah, and he just kind of, he just kind of like pokes up and and shoots fire at you. Sorry, Dio is having a time because it's it's um, you know. it's totally not. It's not. It's not. It's well, it's close. <laughs> it's getting close. It's getting close for food time. The music though. So yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to say. Like, what? Oh, so as long as we're talking about music, um. Yeah, I'd be remiss to not talk about Ice Cap Zone. I think Ice Cap Zone probably has the best music, but I did not particularly like what was actually in the stage. <laughs> it was forgettable. I mean, it starts out with that snowboarding sequence. You're like, oh, that's pretty sick. Which but is then, not really a thing that you're doing. You're, you're just It's just happening. You can jump, but you shouldn't, because then you'll miss the and rings. I can't remember. Were there ice physics or weren't? Uh, there weren't not, ice physics. I don't think so. See, the that, physic that I... The physic... 
the the mechanic that I remember the best from Ice Cap Zone is the is those little platforms that you have to dash into to like push and they kind of like go 180 upwards and then you jump off of them. Mm-hmm. Those were kind of fun, but they just there's just a lot of them and yeah. then that's all they really do. The music in Ice Cap Zone Obviously, if you if you one don't, of the best. if you don't know, it's reported by people who worked on Sonic Three that Michael Jackson was originally contracted to write music for the game, and then didn't like the blast processing. How could he not? <laughs> that Yamaha sound chip. He didn't like it, so he decided that he didn't want to be associated with the game and pulled his music. But they still kept some of it, possibly. And you can listen to it, and you're like, eh, it kind of sounds like MJ a little bit. Yeah. You can kind of hear it, and Ice Cap Zone is probably one of the most prevalent, but we had several moments where we were listening and we're like, that sound effect mm-hmm. and the way it's placed there almost sounds like this Michael Jackson song that we were thinking about. So there's that one bit at the end of uh at the end of Carnival Night where it's like pop 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 and there's like <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are gonna definitely know what you're talking about with that They probably do. Yeah, probably. They probably actually do, because it's at the very end of the theme, and like it's, it sounds very much like a passage at the end of the bridge and jam. Yeah, it's like almost exactly the same notes. So, uh, others, I, I I think it was Launch Base Zone, the one that was like a factory. I really liked the music in there. I think Launch Base was kind of like the. Uh, that was like the sort of Metropolis Zone esque. Yeah, I like flying that. batteries. I like Metropolis Zone a lot. I do too. Launch ba- uh, flying battery is also a little bit like it's like a blend between Launch Base and uh, and Flying Fortress Zone. I think overall, two. I feel like there's ten. There's fourteen total stages in this game, which mm-hmm. is massive. But um, I feel like two because I played it more. I lean towards saying that two has more music that i enjoy sure but i feel like the music quality is much better in this one and i could probably pick out more tracks if i were listening to it and say oh i really really like this track i think that sonic 3 has overall better music than 2 but i remember more of the music from 2 but I, that again has to do with like I just didn't play it a lot. I, I don't feel it. like many people owned three because when three came out, was it ninety? I don't actually know. Ninety four, ninety five. Uh, let's look at the wikis. Anyway, it's like I, I'm going to, I'm gonna walk you back from saying not a lot of people owned three. I guarantee you, a lot of people own Sonic three, mm. like. Maybe not as more. Maybe not as many as two, because two at one point was a pack-in launch. Oh yeah, we had a, ours as pack-in. It was a pack-in title, and I don't think Sonic 3 was ever a pack-in title. So I think we like, actually got the bundle that had one and two. Hmm. I don't know if that was a thing. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but... I feel like I remember seeing a cartridge that was like Sonic 1 and 2. No, I mean like, maybe we got the Sega with Sonic 1 and then shortly after bought two, or we bought the Sonic bundle and then got to with it because we had them both but yeah very early on and owning do not chew that bone on there but yeah it's like it's the it's the super nintendo thing where like everybody had super mario world because they sold the console with it so like naturally that's a thing this is the the drawback of leaving the door open dog sounds (laughs) dog barks dog bones yeah 
dog trying to jump in the chair. So yeah, I mean, like, if you're comparing it to Sonic 2, like, the install base is gonna be smaller for 3 because it was almost impossible to own a Genesis without having Sonic 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if Sonic 3 was ever packaged with, uh, with the Genesis. I know they did a couple of different generations of the Genesis. We have two different, like, shaped ones. So maybe one of the later ones came packed in with Sonic 3. But it definitely wasn't, like, the most popular one. But still, I'm pretty sure it sold, like, a few million. Like, they're out there. But, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if there's... I, I feel like generally more people are like us in that they played a lot of Sonic 2, but, like, only really played a lot of Sonic 3 if they had a Genesis or were really into Sonic. But for me, it was like, you know, Sonic 2 was the play the game, play the Genesis when you're at your friend's house who has a Genesis game. It's true. And Sonic 3 was never that game. And I remember hearing music from it on like OC Remix and stuff like that. But it was never like, and I, you know, I picked it up a couple of times. I think the first time I really played it was on Virtual Console on the Wii. On your Wii, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which would have been like 2007, 2008, something like that. Um, by the way, happy 14 year dating anniversary in two days. Yeah. One day from the release of this <laughs> podcast. After, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I went a long time without really experiencing it. And like, I think that we've been critical of it, but generally it's a very good game and extremely impressive for 1994. Um, I think we watched the completionist video before recording this just yeah. to see if there was stuff in it that we missed. And there was a little bit like we didn't know about the breakable Sonic walls, but or the breakable Knuckles walls. But I think that um, eight million. Yeah. Eight million sales. So Sonic to 15 million. Yeah. But I Sonic 44 million. That's probably including pack in, yeah. pack in installs. So yeah, less, but still a lot. Yeah. Eight million is a lot of sales for that era. I For any era, really. It's true. I think, and we didn't actually talk about Knuckles and this whole lock-on technology that much, but it, we went yeah. back and played just a little bit as Knuckles. And yeah, like, we, didn't do a, we didn't do a full playthrough as Knuckles, but we wanted to use him and see how he was different. So we played like the first couple of zones. And... Okay, it's interesting. It's it's uh at the time having a new playable character so that you could just go through the game again and have like a new experience with new moves. That's super cool. Now it's fairly like it's not as impressive and mm -hmm. I was like I don't play the game again. Yeah. I've got other things I'd rather be doing than playing through the same stages slightly different. But I, like it is cool that it's there and I feel like it controls like butt. The gliding is weird. Yeah. Um, you expect him to turn a little bit faster than a dump truck. He's <laughs> so slow when you go to turn, especially if you're just like continuing to float. Yeah. He's just like, oh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually hilarious how slow it is. And we didn't know this, but apparently there is supersonic if you get all the chaos emeralds. And then if you get all of the super emeralds. You become hypersonic. Hypersonic. And I don't know what the difference is. He was white. 
instead of yellow, I guess, and like sparkly. But is that better? Is I don't that know. different? More uncontrollable, basically. But you can also you become super, ring slower? super knuckles, and then tails doesn't get a super form. Except when he does, he does in the knuckles cart, they give him four or five little birds or something that surround him, and they can also attack. I don't really get it, but like. Yeah, I don't know why Tails needs, like, Sonic and Knuckles both oh. just shine. They both they both just get shiny and go Super Saiyan, and then they just and they just run into things and they deal damage. And Tails apparently needs, like, bird shield buddies. <laughs> and I don't know why, like, man, like, the entire Sonic franchise just constantly just, they constantly just dunk on Tails. They don't mean to. But he's like, he is such the eternal sidekick who just isn't allowed to be cool on his own. Ever. Like, even when he, even when you play through the game as Tails, and he gets to be the hero doing all of the stuff, he doesn't get a super form, and then when he does get his, like, super hyper form, he's like, I am powerful because of my bird friends. It, I don't, I don't get it. We didn't do any of the supersonic or hypersonic stuff. We didn't play as Tails or Knuckles. Well, we played a little bit as Knuckles, and just to just to just to see it, just to experience it. I was not I was not having a good enough time with the game where I wanted to really pour, you know, five more hours into doing multiple playthroughs with all of the emeralds. I, and I also don't like the mini game enough to do that. Well, so. speaking of mini games, I was just going to say one other thing that kind of was strange to me. Is like you go in to do the mini game. Oh, the bonus games, yeah. And it's like, what are you gonna get? There's the slot machine. There's the weird uh, like gachapon. Yeah, there's the weird gachapon thing. There's the uh, and then there's that weird like three D electro ball pinball machine thing. Yeah, which we and I don't even know how that one works. And then there's just the the ring one where you go to get the balls, the blue balls. Yeah. Although that's that's different because that you go into the big ring to do that and that's for chaos emeralds. The other ones are just like the little halo above the checkpoints. Right, right. And those are mostly just for rings and and I think you get like rings, barrier shields, and uh, the occasional one up. Mm-hmm. But that was just strange, and it wasn't clear how it, if it was random or if it was stage based or if it was just. After a certain amount of rings, you get this one. If you have more than that rings, you get this one. I don't really get it. I did appreciate that um, they brought the Casino Night slot machine back. Yeah. In a, in a place where you can just play it until you fall out of the zone. And it's also like the... Um, they basically took the Sonic 1 bonus game, which is the actual, like... You know, it's the actual, like, tilty... I don't know if you've ever seen the Sonic 1 bonus game. It's no, like, I have, yeah. Like the fever dream tilty maze thing that you have to go through to get the to get the emeralds. Mm-hmm. And then they combine that with the Casino Night slot machine. And it's like, here, you can play the slot machine. We know you all time, like, we know you all got time out on Casino Night 1 playing the slot machine. We know you did. Here's a place where you can just do that. And then when you leave, it's when you actually fall out of the zone. Right. Instead of actually having to get time, but out. don't think it's going to be easy. We put them stupid pinball things in there to make it mm-hmm. really frustrating and annoying to you. Yep. 
and, but the, you and like it. it's spinning and the mechanics are weird and you never jump in the direction you think you're going to. So I like I did I did like that though. Like the the ability to be like, yeah, you can you can play the slot machine as many times as you can get in there. And then eventually you'll just fall out naturally and you can just keep going. That game was fun, the other two less so. Well, we didn't really understand the one, so it's kinda hard to say. The Gachapon one I pretty much understood, it just wasn't fun. Yeah, no. Um the other one I kind of understood, but I I wouldn't say it was great. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Design-wise, it was fine. Yeah. I think it's a good game. I think having, like, having in, a, in a post-Sonic Mania world, it's really yeah. difficult to look at any classic Sonic game and be like, this is the peak of Sonic. Mm-hmm. It's not anymore because Sonic Mania did that. Yeah. Sonic and, Mania does everything. Sonic Mania definitely takes more of its cues from Sonic 3 than Sonic 2. Yeah. Um... So it's it's clear that that is conti- that is considered to be the peak of classic Sonic in terms of just what all of the stuff does. Right. And that's cool. Um, so I like I used to think that Sonic 2 and 3 were like just sort of interchangeable. And it's just like, which stages do you like better? Which music do you like better? But Sonic 3 is a way, way different game than Sonic 2 in more ways than I origin than I originally understood. I will say that the movement tech and the different mechanics that come up in three, some of them, what what Mania does so well is it creates those movement techs, but they don't slow you down. Right. You keep moving. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in this one, you have the repel. Yep. And that is like, gotta go down and then kick off the wall. And that's just There are really there. cool animations in Sonic 3. There are. That one and then... Because the, the repel is actually one... The, whatever that claw thing that goes up, you know, slowly, you have to pull down to go oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the mining thing. In the in the Mushroom Hill Zone. Yeah. yeah. That is slow. And also kind of yeah. janky. There's a lot of that in 3 where they have good ideas for movement tech, but it's just not executed in a way that keeps the pace of the game moving forward. Right. But Sonic Mania does it well. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's really cool is after having played Sonic Mania first and then going back to 3, you can see that they definitely understood the pitfalls of 2 and 3 yep. and really, really were inspired to yeah. make the game feel really good. Like Let's take the lessons from 3 and evolve further. And if you haven't played Mania, play Mania. Play Mania. If you have played it, watch a speed run of it. It's the most one of the oh most amazing God, yeah. things that you've ever seen. It's like watching Celeste, just seeing peak. Like the the speed is capable, and the, the runners absolutely know exactly where to jump to make the game just fly by. Mm-hmm. Non glitchless. Obviously, the glitchless runs are interesting in their own way, but just like non glitched non glitch glitchless run yeah i got the too many words in there (laughs) but that that to me is is proof positive that they knew exactly what needed to be fixed in three but they also they loved three they knew that the game is about go fast so they made the game about go fast but it's go fast and you have you have to do input in it yeah so you actually are a, a player in the game in in Versus some sections in 3 where you have the feeling of going fast, but it's all automated and it's moving on its own. Right, yeah. So that's a really nice... um... And there are some parts of Mania and 3 that I would say, that I would call like cutscene fast. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where it's like, you're just... The uh, Mania and 3 both do the little, the thing in Death Egg Zone, 
where you're kind of going through the rings mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like looping around. Yeah. And it's like, we were just sitting there because there's one that goes for like a good <laughs> 30 to 45 seconds. Yeah. And we're just like, okay, but we're just kind of like doing loop the loops in place and we're not going anywhere. And it took us like 30 seconds to go like 10 feet. Yeah. So like that looks fast, but isn't actually fast. And Mania kind of does some of that too. But I think that the, I think that the like cutscene fast moments where you're just going like <laughs> from place to place. I think that's important. I think that's, I think that is Sonic. It's part of the aesthetic and yeah. part of the experience. Yeah. So like, I don't have any issue with that. There's, it's just that, like, there's so many more in three that are, like, fast sections that are out of your control rather than in. And Mania does a better job of making those actual gameplay. Yeah. And I think that juxtaposed with, like, the sections that slow you down and just, like, make you stop the momentum of the game completely yeah. to platform. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very counterintuitive to the message in the, in the, what I perceive as the, the true meat of the game. Yeah being go fast yeah and it's you know it's not fair to compare sonic mania and sonic 3 directly because you were talking about sonic mania which is a game that came out 25 years later Mm. as a you know with newer technology better defined uh like game design right mechanics standards and all of the lessons from the original game intact where they can be like we want to make it exactly like this but then add some stuff that makes it improved and it's really easy to do that now in hindsight because Hmm. those games have been studied and refined to death so it's you know to say that sonic mania is better than sonic 3 is natural to me but sonic 3 for 1994 damn i agree I feel like I'm glad I went back and played it, especially knowing that I liked two as much as I did. And and honestly, playing three makes me want to go back and and play two so that I can appreciate three more. Yeah. And what they've tried to do, because I have so many memories of playing two. Don't play one. Will you save states instead of save files? Yeah, right. Don't play one, though. Just, I mean, if you want to play all of them, play one to play it. But, like, it's not as good as the others. What you really need to do is play Snarf. <laughs> no, it was the Sonic XXL. It's Sonic it's Snarf or Sonic XL or Bubsy in Sonic Two. Ugh. This is the There's so many good Sonic Two hacks. It's wild. I mean, they're all actually bad, but like, <laughs> but like they're fun. We played Sonic XL, and I don't know that I've ever laughed that hard. Just <laughs> there were some. There's some good moments. We did clip that, so... Yep. But, well, I... Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. It probably won't be the last time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll, I'm, I'll find something We else. talked about playing Sonic CD. That's true. Because neither of us have even hardly seen that game. So that'll be a different experience. But we we were talking about playing Sonic CD, and then we were like... You were, you were talking about, like, I feel like I should play, like, the other Sonics first so that I'm, like, up on the... Up on the lore. Yeah. And... Then we realized that neither of us had actually ever played through three. So now we have, and that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad to have done it. Yeah. Well, you've been a lovely guest. Why, thank you. Um, Thanks for, thanks for being here. Um, Let's go, uh, let's go find something for dinner. Yep. And for, for his dinner as well. Said the word dinner. Yep. 
Um, I believe Tom will be back next week, but again, you know, we're going to have guest hosts every, every so often. Sometimes it'll be Jesse. Sometimes it'll be someone else. I've talked to a few people, so I hope, uh, I hope that's cool. Everybody <laughs> it's that or take extra weeks off. No. Content, but also like you must make content, must content. <laughs> Happy 2022, everybody. Here's uh what? Probably ice cap zone. Probably ice cap zone. Probably ice or cap that, zone. Or that was that was that Jock Jams thing that you played for me? The Sub Zero thing. <laughs> I we, mean, we didn't talk about it, but we we talked about it privately. Um, he was watching Salty Bet, and there was a a Sub Zero like Jock Jam style song that came up, and I was like, it's "Boy, official. that's just that is just the '90s aesthetic, isn't it?" It really is. Yeah. Probably Ice Cap Zone. Probably Ice Cap Zone. It's much better, but, you know, you find that. Enjoy it. Chinese Ninja Warrior. There you go. With your heart so cold. (laughs)